He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the 73rd Holy Official Podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you as always. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org. Check it all out. Big week for golf in the state of Oklahoma. Red River took place over the weekend down at Windstar. We'll give you all the results from that coming up a little later in the show. East Lake Cup starts today. You can read more about that on Golf Oklahoma as well. And today, we want to welcome to the program Ring Family Dentistry, our newest sponsor. Ring Family Dentistry has been taking care of people here in Oklahoma City for more than 20 years now. Doctors Philip and Brennan Ring have a simple philosophy. Work with what you have, save what they can, and replace what they can't. While some dentists can overtreat, it is their philosophy that patients in their office should only have done what they absolutely need. If we can't show why treatment is needed, they will not prescribe it. They explain their opinion, answer any questions, and ultimately leave all decisions to the patient. That is Ring Family Dentistry here in Oklahoma City. Uh, they will go out of their way to ensure all treatment is as comfortable as possible. Possible. Big welcome to the show to Ring Family Dentistry. Give them a Google, give them a call, and get it taken care of today. Gentlemen, big weekend for one Mr. Hideki Matsuyama. Sam is officially heating up. Runner-up Matthew Wolf a couple of weeks ago. Last week, you throw out Rory McIlroy. This week, you and I were both on the Hideki train, so I got one as well, but that's back-to-back now for you, so uh, I think this is probably the pinnacle of your golf picking, and it's in what is essentially the offseason since we're not currently doing the one-and-done. I'm on an absolute heater, and the one-and-done is not even going on, but if you've been listening to me and putting a little money down on my picks, you would have had Matt Wolf. You would have had, uh, obviously, Rory last week. And then we had Hideki Matsuyama winning in his home country of Japan. And I love it, Colby, because you picked Hideki Matsuyama as well. And that means that T-Dub finished DFL oh, this no. week. You know what happens? You know what I realize, guys? It doesn't matter how big the ship is. Because normally we say if everyone's on someone, the ship is going to crash. It doesn't matter if everyone, there's 7.8 billion people in the world. There could be 7.79999 billion on the boat. If I'm the only one off, the boat's going to make it fine. Everybody I, thought Hideki was going to win. Everybody. I, I, if, it doesn't matter. If, if there would have been one done this week and I didn't pick Hideki, there would have been 60 people pick him. And I would have been the only one to not have him. You, you know who else didn't think Hideki was going to win this week? Hideki. Hideki. Hideki said nothing good about his golf game all week. Nothing. I mean, he, he leading into the tournament, he's like, yeah, my game's not really in a good place right now. He, he fires a first round 664. He's like, yeah, I just kind of got it around today. Really don't have my A game. And then, yesterday, so he wins by five shots. Hideki finishes at 15 under. He shoots a 65 on Sunday, second lowest round of the day. And then after the round, he was asked to rate his performance. And he said, probably about a two or three. That's out of 10. He rated his master's performance a 10. He would say this week was a two or three. And then from the results perspective, it went to about eight. But he said he thought it was all the energy from the fans. And he was very surprised how much energy he was feeding off of them. It was really cool. Uh, You know, we were at at your house Saturday night, Sam, for Halloween party. Uh, Had a great time. And we had it up on the TV. And, I mean, you could tell, like, Hideki and those fans being in his home country – 
it meant something to him. It meant something to them. It was pretty special, and it was pretty cool to watch. No doubt. Now, I have a question for you guys. Now, uh, obviously, we had Rory McIlroy win last week, and we had Hideki win this week. Who do you guys think is going to have more wins on the season? Oh. Hideki or Rory? So they both have one now. Uh, and, a, and they both had one last season. I'm going to say Rory. I uh, I think Rory is the the chalk pick because I think he can win more places. Hideki really needs to be on a bent grass greens golf course to win. He, he puts infinitely better, almost half a stroke better per round on bent. So Augusta. But I might... I might say Hideki. I might say Hideki. He's at a good a good place in his career right now. You would now. have to say that Hideki's definitely the more consistent ball striker of the two. I would say so, yeah. yeah he's a better iron player. Yeah, definitely, definitely better iron player, for but, sure. But, but from the stats, I don't know. He's not a better putter? No, no he's not a better putter. Rory's a, Rory's a sneak. Here's a better, here's a better question. Rory's uh, a streaky putter. Hideki won the Masters last year. We know that. Does Are any of y'all going to pick Rory or Hideki to win a major this year? Uh, Pick them? Yes. That's a good question. So, if you had a bet right now, you have Hideki, Rory, over half a major. You're going to bet it. Yes. One. Even money. I, even money both sets. Yeah. I would bet it. I, I, I like I like it. probably would. Number one, because the courses they're playing this year. I agree. I actually kind of think Hideki sets up fairly well for Southern. Yeah. He does. I mean, Very well. the way he hits it, I mean, he, I it, might be he can do enough. I at Southern, but Hideki yeah. has a really Hideki's similar game. Hideki's at Southern, even though they are bent, is still yeah. It could brutal. still be a concern because they are they are violent, nasty bent. But so is Augusta, you know? I mean, those that, are that, some, that, that, That's a fair point. Those are some severe breaking greens. I, mean, I like Rory's chances, obviously, at Augusta. I think he'll win a Masters eventually. Obviously, Hideki's just won the Masters, so you could pick either of them at the Masters. And then um, at the PGA, obviously, at Southern Hills you're talking about, but where I think that they both have a good shot of winning is at St. Andrews. Yeah, we should have asked Bob Winskowitz last week whenever we had him on what kind of greens they have at the country club in I would assume it's bent. I would assume it's bent in that part maybe, of the country. Maybe yeah, Poana sometimes. Might be some Poe sprinkled in. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, back to the Zozo. So Hideki wins by five, says his game was a two or three. Uh, our guy Cameron Triangle was five back, so he finishes at 10 under alongside Brendan Steele. Very, very, very costly for Tringali. Went bogey-bogey last two holes to get basically that solo second wrapped up oh. and cost himself so much money and so much FedEx points. For a guy who last year was in the um, BMW Championship, had a chance to go to the Tour yeah. Championship. And, so, I mean, and, this, and he's this, off to a good start to this season. I mean, this going to come back to bite him in the rear end. By the way, guys, I I want. I wish I could see a stat, and I could probably find this if I did a lot of research. What percentage of guys that lead the field on Sunday in par five scoring go on to win the tournament? Because it seems question. like par fives are such a crucial part uh, of Sundays, especially on the PGA Tour. And Hideki yesterday eagled two par fives. You know what I just realized? We finally got a 54-hole leader to win a golf tournament. Yes. You told no, us. Not just went dominate. At the Halloween party on Saturday night, Colby said, even though Hideki has a one-shot lead, you know, he only has a 30-what, like 32% like, like, chance over to the, win. Over the last 15 years, going into this weekend, 54-hole leaders had converted to win, I believe it was 30.4% of the time. Less than one out of three. And that's even yeah. with Tiger skewing it 
Oh. Right. And that's 15 years, so well, that's obviously not all of Tiger's winning. It's some but of it. Since 2006. Just, it's just 06, 07, 08, 09 winning. Yeah. It's 2013 winning. You know, right. it's it's a lot of that stuff. So uh, Hideki, 54-hole lead converts. Here's what I thought was crazy, was the extreme drop-off from the, the top to the middle. Hideki's 15. You have to go five shots back to get to T2. There are only six guys in the field within nine yeah. shots. But I we mean, talked about T7, the drop-off. T7 was five under, and there are... Uh, I mean, there are like nine guys at five under, ten back of Hideki. So they're really, uh, I mean, there were only three guys who had a chance to win the golf tournament Sunday. We talked about the drop-off before the tournament. Now, I, I didn't necessarily expect to see Brendan Steele's name up there, but uh, obviously Mackenzie Hughes has played well. Tr- uh, Tringali almost said triangle because that's what you guys love to call him. But oh, I always I'm, call him triangle. But what I'm saying is there was a handful of guys that I thought could win the tournament. Obviously, I thought Hideki would win, but... There wasn't many good names up there. No, and, and so it, and yeah. that's kind of why you see that big drop off, in my opinion. I think that one of those handful of guys played really well, uh, and obviously the rest of those guys played good, but they're just not as good as Hideki. Yeah, and so you look at some of the other big names, like my, my two big guys on DraftKings, Shoffley, he shot even for the tournament, finished 28th, actually kind of had to backdoor that. And then, uh, let me see, where was Fowler at? Oh, Fowler was plus three. That's good for T44. Then you got people like the unsung hero of the tournament, Ryuji Yamada, finishing at plus 17 and still cashing a check. Shout out to both Hideki and Imada, first and last bookend home countrymen. <laughs> That's how you represent Japan right, so, right there. If you were standing behind 18 green early in the day, watching the first group come through, you got to see your home countrymen finish in last place. If you were standing behind the 18th green at the end of the day, you got to watch your home countrymen finish in first place. That's just some good old-fashioned patriotism from Hideki and from Imata. I wonder if, you know, because they're so passionate about their golf, if they did the old Happy Gilmore where they gave Ryuji Imata the big check, you know, for the la- whatever last place amount was. What about one of those big ones? I'll take one of those. I don't care. Another another part about this is it was in Japan, and so I think a lot of the guys that were playing well last week didn't necessarily get to continue that momentum just because of the long travel over there. Like we saw Robert Streb play great last week where if he would have just had to make a short flight somewhere, he might have continued that momentum and rhythm that he had. But instead, going over, having jet lag in Japan and all that stuff, he goes out and shoots eight over. I can't imagine that that didn't have anything to do with it. Well, and also, too, look at this, guys. I mean, it's an entirely different golf course. I mean, six under this week got you T4. Six under last week got you DFL. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it was an entirely different golf course. We saw it on, was it second or third round when they had a lot of, uh, lot of rain and wind and stuff going on? I mean, that course is... Is, is not that not that easy by any stretch. Deck is 15 under. was immaculate. And we actually saw it. He actually made some putts on Sunday, which, I mean, you literally, what is he, 63% better on bent greens, you said? No, no he's on bent greens. He's, uh, I believe it was .48 strokes gained better per round putting on bent greens than he is on any other surface. That's a lot. It's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's I mean, weird. It's uncanny. A, that's the difference between shooting 70 and 70.5. That's yeah. Over the course of a season, that's the difference between tour championship and not keeping your card. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the difference between winning at big events like the Masters. And, I mean, the Zozo is obviously not a great strength of field. But, by the way, I think next year for the Zozo, I'm just going to pick whoever won the Masters. If you win the Masters, you have to play the Zozo at Narashino, and you have to win it because it's been done twice now. Tiger did it. Unlikely Masters champion goes over, wins the Zozo. Hideki did it. Somewhat of an unlikely Masters champion wins the Zozo. I loved what he said afterwards. They were like, so what does this win mean to you? And he's like, I'm just glad to emulate Tiger Woods. 
winning the Masters and then the Zozo. I yeah. never thought about that, but it's true. Wouldn't we all be glad to emulate Tiger Woods? Oh, Wouldn't man. we all? By well, the way, just uh, some other notables. Ricky, three over. Uh, Xander, I believe, finished at even par. He did alongside Joaquin Neiman. Uh, and then Morikawa, by the way, uh, two under par. Matt. Down, oh, Matt. Down, oh, Matt. Down. Oh, and then, by the way, just update my DraftKings lineup at nine over par. And we're going to find our best friend. <laughs> nine over par. We're going to give yes, him a best friend hug. Doug, 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 You know who else Steve, Steve, Steve Sarkeesian thinks he's close, by the way. You know who else dropped 54 <laughs> points yesterday on Sunday? Your fantasy team? Nice, nice. Matt I see Jones. what you did there. I see what you did there. Hey, here, I got a question for y'all. All right, so <clears throat> oh, Morikawa five under. That's the other one I was looking at. Very nice. So we talked about whenever Hideki won the Masters, how big of a win this would be for Japan and Japan golf. Whenever I watched the tournament, like I say, obviously it came on late at night, and also I'm, I'm gonna rant about that in just a second. But I did have some insomnia this week, so I did watch a little bit of it. The crowds for Hideki were like tiger crowds over here. It was insane, the amount of people that were out there. Thursday. Exactly. Thursday. So, they were lining the fairways. So here's my question. How big would that crowd have been if Hideki was not the Masters champion? Like, how much did that win actually make that crowd bigger? It's a good question. It's a good question. Because we know, we know they love Hideki. We know Hideki's, and, and Hideki's been go- a superstar over there for a decade. They love golf, too. They love golf, and, and Hideki is the, the first the first. A professional golfer from Japan on the men's side who has really ascended kind of to the height of the game with that Masters win. And they've really embraced him and wrapped their arms around him, but they've embraced him and wrapped their arms around him since he was a kid. I mean, you remember what he looked like with the spiky hair whenever he first came out on tour when he was 17 or 18 years old? Um, I definitely think the Masters win maybe brought in some more of the casuals from Japan, but I still think even without the Masters win, they've they've shown him a lot of love. So I think it still would have been close but maybe 10% smaller. You got 10% of casuals in by winning the Masters? Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely the Masters just, you know, because there's people from Japan living other places as well, not just in Japan watching the Zozo, right? Right. You see what I'm saying? We're talking about the crowds following Hideki. I understand that, but I'm saying just his popularity in Japan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think the Masters infinitely helped his popularity in Japan even more than winning the Zozo in Japan did. So I guess here's the better question. How much were ticket sales up because Hideki won the Masters? Good question. I, again, I'd say probably, I, I think probably like 10%, because I think your diehards are going anyway, but I think that you got some more people out because he won the yeah, Masters. Yeah, but they only have one PGA tournament over there. I bet they're big mm-hmm. in either way. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, 10%, I mean, that adds one person out of 10. So, I mean, it's not like it's that much. But, you know, at the same time, it's, you know, just because Hideki may win the golf tournament to enlighten people on the golf, people may just come out to watch the tournament, not necessarily just because of Hideki, just because it said, oh, man, we had a, a Japanese player win the Masters. This is pretty cool. Let's go watch some golf. Yeah, right. Well, not only, I mean, it was a, it, obviously it wasn't a great field, but you had two major champions from last year. You had the Olympic gold medalist, which was won in Japan in the field from last year. You had Ricky Fowler, who has ties with grandparents in Japan, from Japan. And fans so, fans were not allowed at the Olympic golf competition. Correct. Right? Correct. Yeah, so this would have been the first time in however long right. that, that the Japanese got to see some really great golf. So. Yeah, and it was some, some great golf uh, from Hideki, regardless of what he says. I thought he played pretty well. I'm going to look up a stat right now, and y'all – BS for a second because I want to see how much money Hideki Matsuyama is making off the course. 
Off no, the course. That's a good yeah. idea. Interesting. Off the course. Okay. Okay. I, I do want to say something since this is a little off golf, but at the end of the show, I have to rant about something that's completely different. But I will talk about the golf coverage since me and Colby love to talk about this. <laughs> On Thursday, I'm thinking, okay, you know, I'm going to, there's a little bit of Thursday night football. I might watch a little bit of golf because I'm like, because Sam had brought up what time it was in Japan, and I'm like, man, I'm all messed up, so the golf's got to come on like 7 o'clock our time or something. And so I look at it. The first group's tee off, about 6, 6.30 our time. Limited field, there's new split tee boxes. The last group's tee off, teed off at 8.30 our time. Yeah, any of y'all want to guess what time the coverage started oh, every I know, day? I know what time the coverage started. 10.30 p.m. Every group was on the course for two hours plus, and we cannot watch a shot. Same question I asked last week on the show. Why does golf hate its fans? And here's the thing. Somebody's going to hit us with budget cuts and needing people on the broadcast. No, no, no. Set up stationary cameras. Stationary cameras behind tee boxes, behind greens. Show us tee shots. Show us putts. You don't have to have anybody talking over it. We don't care. If you need one guy in the truck telling, you know, the director telling people when to cut from shot to shot, you can have a couple different guys do that throughout the day. I you got to have more coverage. It, you just have to have more coverage. Well, here's the part that doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, I understand Saturday and Sunday, right? You have the last groups, so you want it to be show the coverage when they do it because for some reason we can only show golf for three hours. I have no idea why that's a rule, but we can only do it for three hours. Why on Thursday and Friday are you not starting at 7.30 to 10.30? Show the early players at prime time. Why are you starting the coverage at 10.30, 11.30 p.m., or, um, I'm sorry, 11.30 Eastern time, when everyone's going to sleep? I would guess that the ratings for this tournament were just horrible. Because they scheduled stupid times. Well, and on the Eastern time zone, I mean, you're not starting until 11.30. I guess if you're on the West, you kind of get lucky. Start to 8.30 your time, and you get to watch the back nine of some groups before you go to bed. But, I mean, pretty much if you're not on the West Coast... You're struggling to, to stay up and watch too much golf. Here, I mean, here's a better question. Okay, so we talk about the three-hour rule right in golf where that's all we can watch. Why does it always have to be the afternoon groups? Why, I mean, that's a good point. It's wh- always the late why? groups. It doesn't matter where the tournament's at. It's always the late we, groups. It doesn't matter if it starts at midnight. That's We're going to show the last three hours of the afternoon. Why? M- most people are off the course by them because the early groups are done. You want to know why they always show it later? They figure people are probably done with work, so then they can sit back, relax, and pop the top on a clubby, a more drinkable version of the Oklahoma Staple, the club special, the official seltzer of slicing limes, not drives. Lemon lime natural flavoring has electrolytes, does not contain artificial flavors, perfect for a hot day on or off the golf course specifically formulated for golfers of every handicap. The freshest, smoothest, leanest, greenest, number one seltzer in golf. Sam, you've thrown your arms up in the air. I'm assuming I don't, you cannot find a, uh, a figure I, I as to how much. I can't find a specific figure. It says his net worth is around $35 million. That honestly seems, seems low. No, and it seems low, but here's the kicker is I'm reading this uh, article on republicworld.com, and it's talking about how – when he won the Masters, that set him. They set the, uh, you know, shelf life for winning the Masters at six hundred million in endorsement money. My God, yeah. And I mean, I, I'm reading the him. exact same article here. I mean, that seems right. I yeah, I believe it in endorsement money. But it, my point is, is he on commercials in Japan because he's not really on commercials here? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You think so? Yeah. He's, I mean. He seems pretty shy. I think his popularity like, in Japan is 1A and 1B with Tiger. Like, it, it's interesting to me that there's guys such as a James Harden in the NBA. He's made a bunch of money, but he's really not making as much money in endorsements as other guys are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah some of the bigger names. But I, I do, I mean, obviously I'm not in Japan, but 
I would be shocked if he wasn't on a ton of billboards and a ton of commercials and all that stuff see, in Japan. And so I'm seeing right here some of his partners, and this was before the before the Masters when Lexus, Strixon, Safe Street Strokes, and uh, Numera Securities. So I mean that was estimated here on that same article, eight to ten million a year, and that's before the Masters win and before the Zozo. Yeah, and I mean, the Zozo. yeah, I mean, winning in Japan. I mean, what a year! What a year for Hideki, man. Yeah. Winning the Masters and winning the Zozo in your home country? I mean, not just financially, just from the aspect of what that does for, for him, for his career, that's that's big time because pre-Masters, didn't it feel like Hideki had just kind of taken a little step back? It had been, what, three, four years since he'd won, and he just, it felt like he'd fallen off a little bit, and now it's we're talking about, you know, will he win a major next year, and we're like, he'll have a really good chance. Well, I, I remember last year, even before Sam joined us on our recap show, 2020 Preview 2021, we both talked about Hideki, and we were like, that putter just sucks too bad. I mean, he's a great mm-hmm. ball striker, but that putter's horrible. I mean, I don't think he's going to win anything. He's going to be a top 15, top 20 machine, and gosh dang, were we wrong. You know what I, yeah. I, I've undervalued about Hideki forever? His ball striking. His chipping. He's a good chipper. He's really good around the greens. You go look at his strokes yeah. game, it backs it up. I mean, he's, well, he's typically top 20. He's I, a good good around the green I think player. that has a lot to do with like what Taylor Gooch mentioned last time when he was on with us. He's such a good iron player that he's yeah. missing in Leads the spots that he wants to. Places. Yeah, that's true. You know, he I, also was well, such a bad putter that he had to chip it close. Good point. <laughs> also, when like I, have y'all ever seen Hideki hit a mega flop shot? I've never uh, seen that. Good question. Probably Could a couple qu- times. Like a mega I, I mean, flop? I'm sure he's had, but like, it's like every time it's just a smooth little chip. Like I've never seen him swing hard and the ball go 20 yards. Yeah, it's you know? normally smooth because I I know what you're asking. Like a mega flop. Yeah, I don't know that I've seen Hideki try the mega flop, but he's still so good around the green. I mean, green, like so. we've seen Speed do it, Rom do it, more cow. I mean, I can list all these different names. And if I would have been on with y'all when you were talking about he won't win because of the putter, I would have rebutted back then and said, guys, he's finishing top 20, top 15. And he's putting bad. And so he's bound to have good putting weeks eventually. And what's he going to do? Win by five. There was about a year span, though, where it did not look like he was bound to have good putting weeks eventually. And And yes, that does circle back around. But it was a long, sustained... Even for Hideki, drought with the putter. And, and also, we were we were talking more along major championship than regular tournaments, yeah. which is yeah. a big difference. Right. Except right. It, in that particular, and we were still wrong. in that particular PGA Tour season, he won no regular tournaments and won major. The yep. Masters, the big one. Why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break and then come back? And we're done talking about the professionals. Professionals, we appreciate you joining us for the first segment. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the East Lake Cup, the Red River Shootout that took place over the weekend, and actually on the women's side, I do have a pretty mind blowing stat that I want to throw y'all's way. Just definitely stat of the day, potentially. And make sure to tune in. I am going to have my biggest non-golf rant in the history of the 73rd hole after I can't wait. I can't wait. We might even have a Halloween party review before we get out of here. No. (laughs) Sam shakes his head. All right, we'll be back. Stay with us here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. 
That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at mcrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head to GolfOklahoma.org right now. Right now, not later. You'll forget. Do it now. Go to GolfOklahoma.org. Subscribe to get the newsletter. Get on the email list. All that good stuff. Keep up with everything happening in the game of golf in the state of Oklahoma, which today happening in the state of Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia to be specific, the East Lake Cup. It is a small field, and it is a small field for a reason. Uh, these are the top four teams from a year ago. It will be Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Pepperdine, and Arizona State. Uh, some great names that you'll recognize from a year ago from some of these other teams. Dylan Menanti, you remember him from Pepperdine in that national championship match. Uh, who's some other guys out here? Riggs Johnston, some people might remember from that semifinal match. William Meow from uh, Pepperdine, he's in the field as well. A lot of good players, and then as well as the uh, the guys that we've got from home here. And I'm sure Joe Highsmith will have his little bucket hat on and uh, will be ripping lefty bombs. Is so. the defending champ playing Patrick Welch? Uh, Patrick Welch, scrolling, scrolling, not. efforting, not on the list. Uh, let's see, Drew Goodman down there for Oklahoma, Stephen Campbell Jr., Jackson Dowell, Logan McAllister, and Chris Goddard are down there for Oklahoma. Three freshmen for OU. Two redshirt freshmen. Freshmen. But three freshmen. For OU. And then for Oklahoma State, we've got Hazen Newman, Rayon Thomas, uh, let's see, and Eugenio Lopez-Chakar. I'm only throwing, I'm only showing three Cowboys. Is that right? I would assume not. I, well, I the article on on the OU page, so I don't think they're going to have them list. Okay, I'm, I'm on GolfChannel.com, and I'm only showing three Cowboys, but that seems odd. That seems very odd. I don't think they'll they'll have a really low team score if that's the case. Uh, how about this? Okay, here we go. Golf Oklahoma. I don't know why I, I wasn't. I had the Golf Oklahoma and the Golf Channel pulled up, and I went to the Golf Channel like an idiot. Uh, the Cowboys starting five will consist of seniors Eugenio Chikara and Erasmus Nearguard Peterson, as well as juniors Hazen Newman, Brian Stark, and Rayon Thomas. So two seniors, three juniors, much more veteran-laden squad for the Cowboys. Yeah, and so for anyone who doesn't know the, the format of the tournament, essentially it's 18 holes on Monday and then uh, Tuesday. A stroke play. A stroke play. play, sorry. Yeah, stroke play. And then Tuesday and Wednesday is match play portion with the team. Very similar to the uh, national championship. Yep, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> by the way, for Oklahoma, just the class breakdown, seniors are Logan McAllister and Chris Goddard. And then the three freshmen, Jackson Dowell, Stephen Campbell Jr., uh, those are both redshirt freshmen. And then Drew Goodman is a true freshman. So, uh, guys, the East Lake Cup is always a blast. Love watching it. It's always great to get college golf on. And the East Lake Cup is usually elite college golf because usually all the best programs in the country. So I'm looking forward to seeing how these teams stack up against Pepperdine because I think we're all looking at, you know, at least OUSU and Pepperdine as probably the top three teams in the country with Arizona State knocking on the door. Mm-hmm. One question, Sam. You might know this because I think you were still in school when it happened. Mm-hmm. When they changed the red shirt rule for college football that you could play four games, did they change it for college golf too? No, you, you still have to uh, not play. So if you t- hit one tee ball, your uh, your eligibility's up. Correct. Okay. So unless I'll, you get hurt or something. I was like just that. wondering if if Jackson Dole or Stephen Campbell played one tournament at all. This you know because I I thought well if you can play four games in college football maybe you could play four tournaments in golf but I guess that's not the case. No, because they changed that rule before and I had to 
get a medical red shirt because I played in a tournament. Didn't you have to go through a lot of hoops to do that? Yes, too? and but that's I'm, a whole. We could start a whole another show about the NCAA what a <laughs> about how I had was. to, you know, send them a thousand papers to prove that I had cancer. Like it's unbelievable. Did it work? I mean, it worked you, you, eventually, you had, you had, but you I missed some good, some good hey, I missed two tournaments because of the appeal process. Are you serious? Yeah, it took so long. What a disaster! Yeah, what a disaster. Okay, I, I, we, I, we back, don't need to dwell but, on back, back, to, back, too back long. to the fun stuff. Um, yeah, I completely agree, Colby. I mean, I think that this is going to be a great year, but also. I think it's going to be interesting because we talked about earlier. When you got a young team going against a veteran team, you know, we're talking about towards the end of the year here. We're talking national championship. I mean, if you you played in that match play portion, I mean, that's an experience that you can't teach. Right. And, and, so, and they just had the match play two weeks ago. Very, very In true. Houston. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they just saw each other. We might see them again, depending on how the stroke play breaks down. Uh, obviously, two weeks ago was, you know, for whatever reason, they took six guys instead of five, which was really weird for match play. It was consolation. So, you know, do with that what you will. Uh, it was a dominant performance from Oklahoma. I'd love to see it again, and I'd love to see it televised this time because we didn't get to watch it down in Houston. I promise. Oh, you know, SUT it up, battle at the East Lake Cup. Ratings. Ratings yeah. in the state of Oklahoma. Oh, it's going to be through I, the roof. I'm looking for revenge from OU, too, because obviously Pepper Pepperdine, Pepperdine yeah. kicked their ass in this tournament and in the national championship. But by the way, and OSU Pe- too. Pepperdine got OSU in the Final Four last year. Yeah. So this is, you know, revenge tour for the state of Oklahoma against Pepperdine. I mean, I, I still, every now and then, when I close my, my eyes to go to sleep at night, I see that shot that Joe Heisman hit out of the fairway bunker on 18 to go ahead and put yeah. the nail in Oklahoma State's coffin. That shot was disgusting. That was a heck of I a just, shot. It, and he it did ridiculous. it all with the floppy hat on. He did it all with the floppy hat on. And and let's take in consideration here, because like Sam brought up, I mean, Patrick Wilson, defending champion's not even on this top five team for OU. I mean, who's to say he doesn't catch fire in the spring and he's on the top five? I mean, these, team, right. these teams can change drastically because they're so deep. Yeah, I mean, I promise each of these teams have three, four guys who aren't there this week who can get hot and break their way into the roster. We saw it last year with Oklahoma State where Brian Stark, late in the season, Big 12 championship, put me in coach, I'm ready to play, and he lights it up. Saw the opposite with Garrett Reban. He played great in the fall and played terrible at the end of the spring. That's golf, man. You can go into a slump, and and you just can't find your way out of it, and sometimes you you get on a heater. Speaking of heater, how about the women's side for the East Lake Cup? Number third ranked in the country, Oklahoma State, coming in off the heels of three consecutive wins in a row for the Oklahoma State Cowgirls. They're the highest-ranked team in this field. It'll be Oklahoma State, Arizona, Duke, and then the defending national champions, Ole Miss. So, Oklahoma State... Men are down there, women are down there, and the women are the favorites. Uh, they're ranked number three in the country. Arizona's number 17, Duke is number 18, and Ole Miss is number 26. They lost a lot of players off that national championship team. I like Oklahoma State's chances. Like I said, three wins in a row coming in. I, I have one little problem with the East Lake Cup. I know it's a reward for you know finishing in the top four the previous year. However, most of the guys and girls on these teams are different the next year. So why not just have the top four teams two weeks before on golf stat, whoever's ranked one, two, three, four on both sides, on both men and women? The, the reason I would say no to that is because since you've played a handful of tournaments up into this point, essentially a fall schedule. So do it a month um, before. So whoever's one, two, three, four a month before. That's kind of like putting in the top four teams in college football based on the AP rankings. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah, but uh, it's not it's not the national championship. It's just an exhibition. I, I see yeah. what you're saying yeah. to try to guarantee that you I have did. a better field. But I don't necessarily mind the way they do it because I do like the fact that it's a reward because when I'm watching the national champions championships the year before and I'm watching those first-round match play matches where they cut it down from 8 to 4, yeah. I'm thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, 
It's get, similar get to like these. get to the East Lake Cup. It's similar to you know the USAM when they yeah. get into the Masters and, after and, winning their semifinal match. And for the men and women who are still on the team from a year ago, I think it's a big reward to go play in this tournament, which is televised every year, and it's at yep. e- it's at East Lake, which is uh, you know obviously where the Tour Championship is played. So um, you know Oklahoma State, the men have several guys back. The women have, I believe, four starters back from last year's team. So. Um, the the big losers obviously Ole Miss lost a bunch of players. And, the women did from that team last year. And to play devil's advocate against myself, last year you obviously saw OU and Pepperdine play each other, and that's who the in in the East Lake Cup, and then they played each other in the national championship. Yeah, true. So true. I just I, I look at it and I say, I say to myself, I mean, what other way would I want to decide the the four teams? Do I want some random people behind a desk deciding it? Do I want a computer algorithm deciding it? Well, that's I mean, how they decide who gets into the tournament. And, 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 I, and, and I ripped on that for how many ever hours last time, yeah. didn't I? Yeah. Uh, by the way, speaking of things that I still have nightmares about, the girl from Ole Miss heel clicking every time she made a putt on the greens <laughs> is definitely up there. Oh, yeah. Wasn't she the one that we complained about was tearing up the greens? Yes. Stop jumping up <laughs> and guys, down on the you greens. You guys were too hard on that girl. I know. We were. You well, can't. I was bitter, Sam. I was bitter. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, you can't jump on a green. If you run out on any course in this state besides some of the, I mean, really dump ones. I mean, if you jump on the green and the superintendent or the head pro sees you, you're going to get a, an ass chewing. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So and, and, and I was bitter. And I still am bitter. Speaking of and being... I will stay bitter. <laughs> I wonder if she was wearing metal spikes. Speaking of being absolutely... <laughs> electric after you make a putt did y'all see the video of this kid in the junior tournament i don't think i did i don't think taylor has sam you showed it to me this morning taylor you can watch it and give your live reaction this is uh intensity intensity personified (laughs) the fist pump of the century and then watch he walks it in like kevin i thought he dislocated his elbow on that fist pump he oh started walking it in when he it was six it feet away. It was a 12-footer is six feet out, and he walked it in. That's I mean, unbelievable. This kid is electric. You know what I want to see? I love it. I want to see the bloopers when he starts walking one in, and it miss, and it breaks late and misses three inches low. That's we'll, what I want to see. We'll try to post the video of it later okay, on, yeah. on okay, the 73rd here, Here's my question then to, to, to that. So we see Kevin on the PGA Tour do it, and I'm, like, disgusted. We see a He's little a kid. grown man. I know. So this is that kid's like difference? seven years old. So at what age does this kid have to stop doing that before it's weird? Here's the deal. It's Tiger fist pump, but he was also kicking everyone's ass. Yeah, it's a good point. If he keeps so, winning, he can keep doing he it. He can keep doing it. So it's all about if you – because the reason – one of the reasons no. I don't like Kevin not doing it is just because I don't like him. I mean, I don't like the fact that he was walking in like par putts and putts that don't even matter. The old eight-footer for par. Yeah. Keep the momentum going. Yeah. I, I just earned, can't stand Kevin Knox. It almost earned him on the Ryder Cup team. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking to say, I think that we just, as a show, aren't real high on Kevin Knox. I think I, I think what you said is right. As long as this kid keeps winning, you can keep walking him in and when they're six feet out. You start losing, maybe we dial back the fist pump. A little we dial scar back tissue the on walking in when it's six feet away. Yeah. Also, He's going like to get a little scar tissue. He's going to get one that rims out and comes right back at him, and kids are going to laugh at him. The old swaggy, so. the old swaggy pee where he turns around and the ball's <laughs> like rimming <laughs> out behind him. Exactly. But I do love the fact that kids are having fun playing the game of golf. 
I so know, that's the number one thing. Just from watching how violently he fist pumped, I think <laughs> whenever we get done with the show here, I'm going to head over and go see our good friends, Dr. Beecham and Dr. Brawley, at the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma, where you can get high-quality, individualized patient care. Dr. Beecham does non-invasive. The Spine Clinic offers the capability to approach all options before surgery. Dr. Beecham specializes in interventional pain management, and he is double-board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. However, if you are needing back surgery, Dr. Brawley received the honor of being listed as one of the top 20 spine surgeons under the age of 40 in North America. Visit thespineclinicok.com, located off Broadway Extension on Britain in Oklahoma City. Gentlemen, East Lake Cup is going to be a lot of fun this past weekend. The Red River Shootout was a lot of fun. Uh, ben Stoller, shout out Ben Stoller, man. The boys' division champion, Kate Strickland. The girls' division champion, Kate Strickland, actually from Nebraska, but playing on the Oklahoma team this week in the Red River. Now, that's not super uncommon, right? I mean, y'all both played in this tournament. I'm kind of looking at the list here of players in the tournament, and not all the players are from Oklahoma and Texas. I see quite a few Kansases in here, some Arkansas, and then obviously, like I said, the winner on the girls' side was Kate Strickland, who won in a playoff uh, over Michaela Terrell from South Lake, Texas, and she's from Nebraska. So, fairly common for surrounding states to to bring players. Especially um, back in the day, there were a lot of kids from Kansas because they didn't have a great junior tour in Kansas. I don't even know if there was one. There might be one now. I don't think but, there was. But basically, it, it's two great junior tours. It, and obviously, the TJGT is a whole lot bigger because Texas has a whole lot more people. Everything's bigger and, in Texas. But but what Maury Rose has done building up this OJGT is absolutely unbelievable. And back when we played... Uh, it was kind of like the men would normally beat the Texas men and the women would lose to Texas. But nowadays, it seems like Oklahoma has some great girls on every on, in each age group. Oh, because and- the way it works, you take a certain amount. I think it's maybe 12 from the 12 to 14, 12 from the 14 to 17, and then... Yeah. Uh, I think they take five from the young age group, right? Because yeah, they changed like it that. now because it's all uh, everyone's in the same age group now. It, well, they well, used to be It used too. to be for the Red River, but yeah. uh, their regular terms, it was different. Correct. And, like, I remember we we had to play – me and Nick uh, played together the first time I ever played in the Red River, and it was a fog delay, teeing off number 10 at Dornick Hills. And I remember the kid – I still remember his name. His name was Danny Lee, and he was a young star from Texas, and we were playing against him. Is this Danny Lee, PGA Tour Danny Lee? No. Okay. I think it's his cousin. Or maybe it was David Lee – it was not not David Lee from the Warriors, but it, he was a he was a great junior player. And um, anyways, I think that Taylor Gooch won that tournament. And I'm pretty sure. And but the fact that we were playing in the same tournament as Gooch, he was way older, and you were obviously in between us. But or were you the same age as TG? I was one year older. One year older. Younger. Younger. I'm sorry. Okay. I misspoke, misspoke. One year younger, but and then Sam's what, like eight years younger. What than are some of your memories? Yeah, from three, the four. Red River. Oh, there was. I mean, all, I mean, there's some really great memories from that term. I remember, I, like I said, playing with uh, the, all the Texas guys. I played with uh, Tucker Watkins one year, Lanny mm-hmm. Watkins' son. So Lanny Watkins was out there watching. That was fairly cool. And y'all well, always uh, played it at Dornick, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah we, we always this played This is it. the first year it's ever Do- been. Dornick's undergoing a big redesign. This year it was played at the Scissor Tail Course at Windstar World Casino and Resort. I'll, I'll say one thing, too, for all these kids playing in it, especially for me, and you may be able to test to this as well, Sam. It was like as soon as high school golf started in March – it was like the season didn't stop because then you played all the way through the end of May. You had like a two-week break after state, and then it was like June through 
literally this tournament you played every week or every other week. So by the time this tournament came around, I was tired at the end of the year. I'd played for nine straight months, practicing every day. I was wore out. So shout out to these kids for being able to go out there and keep playing on a long year. But I want to attest to your point earlier, Sam, and to yours, Colby, about why these tours are so big. Whenever we were playing, the TJGT was a lot bigger than the OJGT, especially on the girls' side. Like, I don't want to demean any of the girls that played during my time, but they got their ass whooped, like, every year. It was bad. (laughs) And, um, you know, looking at it now, one of the reasons for that is that the TJGT at the time gave AJGA stars or status, whatever it is that they give now. For, you know, if you win or finish so high in your event, you get status for the AJGA. And that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. Well, Mm -hmm. the OJGT back when I was younger didn't have that. They do now. And yep. that's one of the reasons why, like, for example, the, the girl from Nebraska, uh, Strickerfield, or Strickland, yeah, Strickland. Strickland from, from Nebraska, I don't know if she plays on the OJGT or the TJGT, but either, but either she way. She might play on both. She could play on both, and that's a lot of kids did that. She, so. she represented Oklahoma this week in yeah. the tournament. Okay, yeah. so, you know, you're, you're getting kids from other states like Arkansas and all these other places because that's not the easiest way, but it's the most convenient way to get status in the, the biggest junior tour in the world. And here's a, another thing. I, I was texting with Maury Rose. He's actually going to come on the show tomorrow uh, and recap a little bit about what he saw at the Red River. But he says, we were really young. Eight of our ten fall events were won by boys from eighth through tenth grade. And four of the ten girls uh, – or four of the ten won by girls were eighth through tenth grade. Wow. That's so, very young. Very young, good players. Yeah. So it, they're going to be – what Maury's basically saying is Texas is in trouble in a few years. Yeah, and this year, by the way, Oklahoma had won this event as a team three years in a row. That was broken this year. Texas wins as the on the team side, 16.5 to 13.5, but Oklahoma gets both of the individual champions. Ben Stoller, uh, a lot of people will remember that name from Owasso, 6A state champion a year ago, Kansas State commit, and he's got the flow, man. The hair just cascading out the back of the hat at Windstar World Casino. So I'm sure it was a great weekend of golf down there. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to make it. Had some scheduling conflicts, but a great tournament, uh, and I'm sure it was a blast. For all those kids. I'm a little surprised about the scores. They must have had it set up pretty hard. Uh, So the playoff, by the way, Ben Stoller won in a three-man playoff alongside Zachary Frazier of Coppell, Texas, and then Parker Payne of Norman, Oklahoma. Stoller went 71-71. The other two guys went 72-70. And then on the girls' side, Strickland went into a playoff with Michaela Terrell from South Lake, Texas. Kate Strickland went 74-71, and uh, Michaela Terrell went 70-75. So, of course, was not playing easy. No, it was, and, and I know was uh, Ryder Cowan not playing. He he didn't play enough uh, events on the OJJ gotcha. to play. He he would have made the qualification, but the Ping Invitational one, probably the biggest AJGA event, which is at Carson Creek. At Carson Creek was the same time as the Tour Championship, which was like gotcha. three weeks ago. Yeah, so that's, that was that was the difference. I don't blame him. And, I mean, and the, the Ping Invitational, in the Carson, Ping Invitational, isn't that less than fifty guys from the country? I think forty six. It's around the world. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's not just U.S. No, no it's it's a polo rankings. So wow. yeah. pol- polo's the AJGA. I mean, you have to play ranks. on the AJGA, but you don't have to just be from the U.S. to do that. Wow. It's a big honor for Ryder to have been yeah. in that tournament. Do any other local kids we know of that were there? I mean, I don't know off, off the top of my head. I'll, I'd have to look it up. Are you talking about at the ping? At the ping, yeah. Yeah, yeah. just while we're down the uh, the junior golf rabbit hole. But great uh, tournament this past weekend, and that wraps up the fall schedule for OJGT. Yes, yeah? it does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's my question, because like I said, we played it at Dornick, right? And mm-hmm. I may be wrong on this, because I know they changed the cigarette age. Is the gambling age still 18? Uh, yeah, gambling age is 18. Is it frowned upon to go gamble at the casino the course is at in a junior event? It's a great question. I would say absolutely not. <laughs> there had to be a couple kids in this tournament that are 18. I, right? would say, I would say it's frowned upon if you're 18 and you're at Windstar and you don't pop in and throw 20 in a machine or down on a hand of blackjack. I, I, I think that would be frowned upon. 
Yeah, that, probably so. You gotta, gotta, gotta have a little fun. You gotta have a little fun. I wonder if any kids under 18 try to sneak in. With and, the new and NIL rules. It's been a minute since I've been to a casino. I think the last time I went to a casino was when we all went to River Spirit when we were at the Senior PGA Championship in Tulsa. There's a reason I do not go to a casino. I, th- there's a reason I no longer go to casinos. <laughs> I, went through, I went through a phase. Did you? you? Know, uh, you play I poker see for Colby, a while. Yes, I could see Colby being one of those poker sharks. He is a good that poker just player. sit there and literally sit there for hours upon end at River at Riverwind. I'm a good poker player, but I would find myself at some tables with guys who had clearly been doing this for like 30 years, and you know, I feel like Colby and I play a poker bit. a lot different. He's probably doing the analytics in his head, and I'm like he over is. here, like yeah. This feels right. Oh, yeah. No, you got to calculate pot odds. You got to figure out how many outs you have, all that stuff. Yeah, how many books do you have? Three or four? Uh, I've got three. I've read two of them. We need to read that third one. That might be the game changer. (laughs) Might be the difference maker, isn't it? Robert California Uh, Game Colby Powell, How I Play Poker. All right, so Taylor texted us yesterday, and he said, Guys, tomorrow I'm going on the biggest non-golf-related sports rant ever. He said, It is a sports rant, but it's non-golf-related. You teased it earlier in the show. I can tell that you're, you're worked up. I am fired up. So this is uh, going to be cathartic for you, I feel like. Let it rip. Yes, I am going to try not to uh, not to cuss it very much. First of all, before I do this, I do want to say that I think that anyone who says – this is off topic. But anyone who says that you need a certain amount of sleep at night is completely lying. Because I slept <laughs> like 10 and a half hours last night, and I'm so tired. After the Halloween party, I slept three hours, and I was perfectly fine. So I, I think that sleep <laughs> is all a mindset. But this is off topic. All right, so this is uh, – yesterday – we talked about how the golf was on in Japan Saturday night, so Sunday we don't have much golf. And anyone who's watching the NFL, I mean, there was hardly any good games on. I mean, it was bye week hell. So I get along, and I'm scrolling through, and I see a, a video on uh, YouTube. It's from Caleb Williams when he was getting recruited, the current quarterback at OU for anyone who doesn't know. I think it was your boy John Hoover, Colby, who was doing the interview. Shout out, Hoover. So I'm, I'm listening to this interview, and for anyone who doesn't remember – we had a kid named Brock Vandergriff who was committed to OU. Do y'all remember Brock Vandergriff? <laughs> I distinctly the, the, remember Brock Vandergriff. I ha- don't. Long red hair. He was from Georgia. Okay. He, he ended up decommitting, and he committed to Georgia. And then Caleb Williams came. Okay. Caleb Williams, during this interview, said that when he talked to Lincoln Riley initially, that Brock Vandergriff and his dad asked Lincoln Riley to not recruit another quarterback in Brock's recruiting class. Nice. You know what I would have done if a kid had told me that? I would have ripped their scholarship in half and pissed on it in their face. That is the most chicken shit thing I've ever heard. You do not want another player at your position to come in and battle with you. You're going to beg the coach to not recruit anyone. That is that is the biggest snowflake thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And I know it happens, and you have to do this to please people and get a, co- a quarterback to come to you. But if you're scared of other people, not just of anyone else who could be a senior and you're a freshman, you know everyone who is your age. You go to all these Elite 11 camps. You see other players. If you don't think you can outman another quarterback, you're a piece of – I'm not even going to say it. I mean, that is – I'm so glad Brock Vandegrift is not a Sooner because he's the biggest piece of crap. I mean, that is so chick- – oh, I'm trying not to cuss, Colby. I can't even talk straight. Uh, is it, any of y'all want to try to change my mind? Um, No, I mean, that's – it's certainly something that I'm not passionate about, but I appreciate your passion for it. <laughs> yeah, you're going to ask to be recruited at a top five program in the country, an elite program. And oh, please don't recruit anyone to put – potentially beat me out of my position i want to be the star here i want to hand it to me go look caleb williams in the face and say i'm gonna beat your ass in training camp you can transfer next year what's brock vandergriff doing now sitting on the bench at georgia is he still at georgia i think so okay well he's the same class as caleb williams so he's a freshman true oh he's freshman. true freshman yeah. i thought he was a year older for some reason I-, I will give him credit he decommitted a year before signing day so at least we had some time 
get another guy. But that's the other thing that that makes it worse. (laughs) Oh, hey, uh, don't recruit anyone else, but hey, I'm going to decommit and go somewhere else. So don't don't try to get anyone else to replace me. If you're scared of competition, don't play sports. Bottom line. I mean, I, I agree. I think it's weak. I mean, I, it, it, it doesn't anger me, but I do think it's weak. I, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as Colby. Like, I don't really care that much. But what I what I will kind of relate it to is college golf, since we're on the 73rd hole. And every single year, you have new guys coming in, and you start off qualifying at the start of the year, and everyone starts at even par. Yeah. And you got to battle it out. And so I think that some of what we saw with this Caleb Williams-Spencer Rattler situation is – it was everyone didn't start off at even par. Spencer started off at ten under. You know what There's, I think's weird? I think it would be weird that you would even. It's certainly a weird request to make. You know, don't recruit anybody else at my position. That's certainly a weird request to make. I wonder. I mean, did OU honor that request? Yes, they did. And I will say this: Caleb, Bli- Caleb Williams said that 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 loyalty that Lincoln showed was a reason that he ended up deciding to come because he said really? that Lincoln was going to stick to one guy and once he committed he came so Caleb knew which, he was the guy which I think is complete chicken shit. I love the soap opera side of college athletics. I don't necessarily like I understand it because quarterback is such a position where I mean it's kind of like golf where you can get in your head a little bit like kickers and football and quarterback I think are the only two positions like that where you can get mentally frazzled a little bit. If and you're if you're so mentally weak that you're scared of another player, you're the same that, age uh, but, coming in and competing I, against all you. All I'm saying is I get it. Like you want to know that you're the guy, and so yes, you need to earn it. But at the same time, maybe you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 I get it. I get I, it. I, I do. Look, I understand it too. Like these kids, like I said, these snowflakes. You can go somewhere else at the drop of a drum until you sign on that letter of intent. You're not anywhere. But my whole point is that if if you are so scared of competition that you are literally telling the coach to not bring in anyone else to potentially beat me out of my job, you don't deserve to play quarterback. If you have the mental stability that someone competing against you will make you lose your job, go play go play another sport or go play poker or something where you can keep your mind right. I don't know. You caught me off guard, too, because whenever you texted that yesterday, it was during the noon games of the NFL, yeah. and I thought for sure we were talking about like some sort of stupid rule. I did, for too. Sure. So I was totally prepared for that, and then you're like, Bob Vandegrift decommitted from OU two years ago, and I'm like, wait, hold on, where are we going? You just, you just caught me off guard is all. I mean, I, the, the noon games are horrible yesterday. I didn't have nothing to watch. Just They're horrible. Teed up stewing in his bed watching YouTube videos from noon, two I'll years just go, ago. Noon games were fine. Packers covered. Who else covered in the noon games? Well, Dolphins covered. Everyone Thank covered you, because all half. the games were 20-point uh, blowouts. Mac Jones. Mac Jones. <laughs> Matt Jones. Uh, Matt Jones. Hey, we were talking about this at uh, the Halloween party. You guys had a little rules debate about mulligans, I heard. Oh, oh we oh, did. This is really good. So I'm- this goes back to, shout out Cody Burrows, our guy, Darth man. He got married on Friday night yep. up in Tulsa. So we were hanging out. And we're sitting at the table with our uh, former high school golf coach, Chad Randall from Chickasha, and then a couple other people sitting around Darren as Clark well. Was there? And yeah, Chad German there as well, Chickasha uh, guy. So we're talking about uh, mulligans in this the big tournament we play, Washita Valley. We talked about it a lot this summer. Every flight except championship flight, you get one mulligan a day. And the question was there was a guy in B flight who was supposed to be teeing off from, I believe it was the Grays. Or the white. Yeah, so, so it's a nine-hole course, and, and the tee boxes flip per nine, and so he was yes. confused at where to go on the next tee. So anyway, I, I don't know exactly which one he was supposed to be on and where he was at, but he teed off from the wrong tee box on a par three, and he hit it onto the green, and 
Then, after they realized it, because nobody really realized, he just kind of hopped up there and went, and nobody really realized it until it happened, and then somebody realized it and called him on it, and then a giant debate ensued as to whether if you tee off from the wrong tee box, which is a rules infraction, can you then negate the rules infraction with your mulligan and go tee off from the correct tee box, and... I mean, I'm telling you, we, the meeting of the minds, we went around this table for 15 minutes and we basically, the conclusion we came to was, I don't know. That's the conclusion. Every single one of us had a different opinion. And, 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 and every single one of us were like, yeah, I could definitely be talked into the other side. So it adds another element to it, right? The fact that it's a nine hole course and you had just played those same tees and you come around to, you know, number one or wherever they went and you have to play a different tee box. That's a little different. Okay, I think that, you know, you might be a little more lenient in that situation as well. Here's where I stand on the mulligan debate. Can you tee off from a certain spot and then take a mulligan and hit from a different spot? I think you can because if you have a mulligan, it negates that shot no matter where you hit that shot from. And And I think that, you know, if you hit a ball out of bounds, let's say, and you take a mulligan... That you don't have to take the out of bounds penalty, so why would you have to take the penalty of hitting from the wrong place to in for the mulligan in this situation? You would just take your mulligan and tee off from the correct tee box. Yeah, and, and, and again, go on your way. I'm not on either side of this because I really don't know what the right answer is. But the back and forth that we were having on Friday night was yes, but out of bounds is a penalty that you're getting for the golf shot that you hit, whereas. If you're hitting from the wrong tee box, you're not actually getting penalized for the shot. Yes, you're getting, you are, because you're not penalized until you hit the shot. Yeah, well, see, but but here's the, so you hit, hit it out of bounds, right? Yeah. What happens? You tee it up on the same tee box. Now, you can move around on the same tee box, but you're not actually moving somewhere Correct, else. But the penalty is because you teed off from the wrong spot. And so that's negating it when you take your mulligan. But, but Kobe, this, this is why I'm, I'm on the same side as Sam is, is that on the tee box, like you mentioned, you have the, the rectangle that you can tee it off in. It's still, depending on tee box, it's a pretty big rectangle. I mean, you can put the ball anywhere you want between two club links behind and the, the spot. So you can tee off on the, the back left part of the tee box the first time, hit it out of bounds. The next time, you can go tee it off on the front right. You could be in an entirely different position and hit the shot. That's why whenever you nick your ball with the with the driver on the tee and then you knock it off, it's not one stroke. Like everyone says, oh, that's one, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's not, and that's because it's on a tee box. There's different rules for a tee box than a second shot. Let and, me say and, this too. And if you just take a mulligan without any penalty shots, just you hit a bad shot, and then you say, I want to take my mulligan. You don't have to drop it right in that divot. You can drop well, that, it next to it. That's the other true. thing too is that a lot, of, a lot of tournaments where you have a mulligan, you're playing it up too. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. We typically play it up in that tournament. Yeah. So, um, But for the record, that's probably the side I'm on as well. I'm probably on the side of you can take your mulligan, negate the penalty, and go back and hit it from the correct tee box. But if we had our good friend, senior rules official, Ken Tackett, on the program, it wouldn't shock me if he said that the other ruling was the correct ruling. And, I, but I, here's it just for this specific situation, if everyone in Chickasha who cares about this is listening – I think that you should have been, whether you had a mulligan or not, I think he should have been able to re-hit it without a penalty just because it's such a weird deal that you're teeing off from one tee box on the front nine and a different tee coming around. I wouldn't know that, if, that's if where, I well, wasn't told. That, that's where I'll say I disagree because if he didn't have the mulligan, then 
I, I would think that you'd you'd have to be assessed the penalty at that point. Yeah, and and in the tur- but was he aware? And, and the, when the tournament happened, Sam, he didn't realize until like two holes after that that he had teed off in the wrong tee box. So then, oh, they, see, I didn't oh, even realize no, you got to take it right then. So if you, that, we, we all are numerous agreement well, on that. If you hit your next shot, you can't go back and hit a multiple. Oh, yeah, we agree on that. Well, but but that's he actually would have been disqualified because he would have eventually had to go back and hit. From the correct spot. That's not, yeah, yeah, at some and point you would have had to have gone back. Yeah. And, so, but they ended up because they had two different rule sheets that said a different thing because it's a nine hole course, like you said. It yeah. ended up not being a penalty. But but here's an, here's another way. Which to I look think at. is correct. He, okay. Because so he, he wasn't trying to cheat. Yeah. No, no, no. There so, was no so, intent. So here here was my next question on that. You tee off on the first hole. You hit your you hit your tee shot. It doesn't matter what kind of hole it is. You hit a drive down the middle. You look in your bag and you realize, oh shit, I have twenty clubs in my bag. Can you use your mulligan, take six clubs out, and restart your round without yes, penalty? Absolutely. I think you can, too. By definition. Yeah. That's what a mulligan's for. Yeah. Now, see, like, guy got married, Cody Burroughs said that he did not think so because in the course of the event, you used your mulligan, so that counts as actually yep, But playing. you don't get penalized for 20 clubs until you hit that shot. So you're penalized for hitting a shot with 20 clubs in your bag. So if you take your mulligan, take the clubs out, and hit that same shot again, I, I, that, I, that was my I, point. I do see what Cody's saying, though, because I think what Cody's saying is taking your mulligan is part of your round. You have to be in a round of golf to take your mulligan, don't you? So if you're in the round of golf and you take your mulligan... Your round has started with too many clubs in the bag, but then if you take them all, but it, only shot started, exist. it only started because you hit the shot with 20 clubs under your bag. When you take your mulligan on the first shot of the day. But in a mulligan tournament, take, a mulligan is part of your round, is it not? Correct, but you started your round. You That's got even the more pen- of a great no, 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 You started your round, you got the penalty, so your round has started, but you get the mulligan, which technically restarts your round. That's the way I interpreted it. But then Cody made a good point. Just because of that situation. Can you restart a round if you've already used a mulligan? I don't, I don't know. Because I don't know. Mulligans are they're quirky. Well, this well, is see, why you don't have okay, mulligans. Okay, they're quirky. Here's, an, here's, an, here's another question. Okay. I, I just saw this off the top of my head. Start Like where we play Bushwood, par three course. Or uh, par three is the first hole. Start off, use a sloped rangefinder. Figure out the slope. <laughs> then... Use your mulligan and then re-hit. That's a little more gray area because and then, and then put it back on intent. record. Well, there's intent there too. Well, there could be intent, but even if there wasn't, you're still at an advantage over other players. That'd also be well, a hell I, of a waste of a mulligan. And, too. See, and if well, in the club situation, if you have 15 clubs and you, you hit your shot, that's not necessarily an advantage when you take your mulligan and you take that club out because then you're just starting off with 14 clubs again with no advantage. But Here's the other thing is uh, if you have the slope range finder, you already know that number. Yeah. So you're already at an advantage whether you take your mulligan or not. Yeah, because you, you can't go out onto the course and shoot stuff before you play with the pins and stuff. So I kind of answered my own question well, you there, can, but it's just another. You can days before in the practice. In round. practice. Yeah, yeah, but you can't go out rounds. the day of and, right. and shoot numbers. Correct. Yeah. And right. another rule that a lot of people don't know that you know we had to be careful of in college is – you can't go back, like say you're. It's the second day of a three day tournament. You can't go back out on the course at any point after your round. After your round, yeah, and because you're still in during you're the still tournament, in the you tournament. still have another round to go. Yeah, you're allowed to sit behind eighteen, but you're not allowed to just go walk off stuff out in the fairway. Like if you're staying at a hotel on the golf course, you're not allowed to go hit practice shots that night. No, nine on putting the go- on the ninth grade at nine. 
No, you can't go hit practice shots on the course. You can on the chipping green, but not on the course. It's just a little rule that I, I don't know if they've changed it with the new rule book, but it used to be. Just go out and do a little night putting? A little night putting. With the daughter Figure of the day? Out. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know, since we're talking about that being able to practice, USGA rules, I'm not sure in college because NCAA and PJ Tour, it's different, but you are allowed to practice but after a hole if no one behind you is is waiting to hit on their shot. If you guys could change and, and one... And if you're not holding up play in front of you. Yes. Like if yeah. you wouldn't be holding up your own group. Yeah. If you guys could change one rule in golf, what would it be? Oh, my... Out of bounds. God, no you're putting doubt. me on the spot. Out of bounds? There are so many rules in golf. How I I, I don't I, know that I can pick one off the top I, of my head. Yeah, what's like, yours? I have I, a couple in mind. I, I would say close. I'm... I'm on the fringe of divot in the fairway. That's mine. A, but I just think out of bounds would happen a lot more than the divot does. If that D- makes sense. Divot in the fairway to me makes a lot of sense at the courses they play on the PGA tour. There are a lot of courses. I mean, you, you play like these oil field tournaments, all the stuff right. like that. You go play these tournaments there. You can't always tell where the fairway stops and starts. So that to me at nice golf courses, I love that rule at golf courses where you can't tell whether you're in the fairway or the rough. I don't know that I like that rule. Because there's a bunch of junior tournaments that they play with courses with a bunch of divots in the fairway. No, you're right. That they play you're up right. the grip length. I mean, that's a good one. I do think that should be changed. Let, let me change. I, not necessarily out of bounds. There should never be an instance where mandatory stro- stroke and distance is the only option you have in golf. That should never happen. You think that they should be able to take a lateral drop from out of bounds? Is that what you're saying? Yes, or even a lost ball. You should be able to have some sort of you, – you should never well, – you, sh- you should always have the option, but you should never be forced as your only sole option is to go back to the to, to the tee and hit your third shot. So, so do you like – and obviously they don't do this for tournament play. This is just if you and your buddies are playing. You hit it out of bounds. You can drop parallel with that two club links in the fairway, but you're hitting four. So it basically would be as if you had teed off again with stroke and distance yeah. and hit a good tee shot into the fairway. Uh, so – Technically, the rule now is because, like, I think it's your greens you're allowed to do in the fairway, but you're supposed to take it from the line where it crossed out of bounds with the edge of the fairway, yes. and you make, like, a line, and then you can go back on that path as in, like, a triangle. But you're still hitting your fourth shot. from Hitting your fourth yeah. shot, yeah. yes. And, and you're hitting it from the rough as opposed to the fairway. I don't necessarily – if that was the rule all the time, I wouldn't have a problem. But still, I think you should be hitting three. Uh, yeah, I agree with that because I had one situation in – a tournament at the Southwestern AM. It was a, I made a fourteen on number fourteen at the Southwestern. Well AM. done, sir. Well on, done on the uh, is the Outlaw Course or whatever it's called, Geronimo, Geronimo Course. So what happened was I hit it left in the desert. For, my first mistake was I shouldn't have found the ball. I shouldn't have gone down there to try to find the ball. But then I find the ball, and everyone needs to remember this: that you can always go back to the tee. Okay. Well, I tried to hit this ball. I hit it gets stuck in a cactus. Oh! Now I can't go back to the tee because I have to go back to where I hit my previous shot from. If only you had a mulligan. If only you had a mulligan. <laughs> or could there, I have gone back there, to the There tee? is. I have to uh, look Not at, after you've hit the second shot, there, you wouldn't there, be able to go back is, to the tee. There is some sort of rule because if you you can't just get in a spot in a hazard and not be able to get out of it and make a 35. That's what Kevin Nod did at the Valero yeah, that one year. He made a 16, though. Let me look it up. But, but I'm saying, like, once he hits that second shot, you can't go back to the tee after you've already hit another shot. I might be shot. wrong about that the more that I think about it. But either way, I wasn't thinking like that. I, would I think tried to right hit though. it out of a cactus like five times made a 14. <laughs> Did you eventually get it out of the cactus? Oh, I got it out, and it went into the other desert on the other side. Why of didn't the you take an unplayable out of the cactus? I took an unplayable out of the cactus, and I hit it into a different cactus. <laughs> I mean, I was way down in the desert. Why did you go down there? It was a drivable par four, too. How old were you at the time? 
I was probably like 16. Okay. No, 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 no. No, I was probably like 18. Oh, man. Or 19. Oh, man. Yeah. And you're down in the desert hacking. Yeah, I was like well within the cut line. And then I'd get in and all my guys are like, what happened? I was like, I made a 14 on 14. <laughs> I'll see y'all back in Oklahoma City. That is beautiful. <laughs> that is beautiful. Yes. Taylor, are you Googling rules? Yes, I'm down a rabbit hole now. I, I would not think, even if you're down in a hazard, I would not think you could go back to the tee once you've hit a second shot. Okay, I, I can't remember. I what could be wrong. I'm, I'm just trying just, to figure out what your other options are because I know you don't have to stay Because I know there. for a fact at some point during the 14 shots that I took an unplayable. Could you, because if you're down in the hazard, once you hit that second shot into the cactus. But I could have taken line, like, from that point between me and... That's what pin, I was going to say. But I couldn't because there was out of bounds behind me. Oh. And so... So there was nowhere you could go that wasn't near the hole? No. Oh. I, I went my two club links, but I was still screwed. But you were still in the desert? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's a that's a fiasco. But I think what the rule was... Rule and number I, one, and I might be desert. wrong. I might be wrong about this, and someone at home might be screaming through their phone saying, Sam, you're wrong. Once I, But I think once I hit that second shot... I wasn't able to go back to the tee. I think I had to go back to where I played the previous shot. Okay, here we go. Under Rule 17.1D, apostrophe 2 or 3, the estimated point used to determine relief area is where the ball, last cross edge of the penalty, where the ball now lies. Because it says right here, when the ball played from penalty area, comes to rest in the same or another penalty 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 area. area, though. It was a penalty area? It was not. It was not marked? No. Oh, I was was under the interpretation that it was marked. Yeah, that's what I was, too. No, it was just. So it wasn't marked. Oh, well, if it's not marked, if it's not marked, you definitely can't go back to the T. Uh, yeah. Are you sure? If it's not marked, do you agree can with that, Can you not Tyler? always go back to the T? I, I don't think you can because I didn't, and I feel like someone would have told me that I could do okay, that. Okay, here we go. Extra relief option. Playing from where last stroke made out. Okay, so that's the penalty area. So you are you are allowed to go back to where... So if something like if it was marked, Sam, you could go back to the original spot where your shot was before the penalty. But or I before you hit into the penalty. And so, like, if you hit so two... So, I could always go back to the tee. You'd be hitting four. But I that, wasn't that was in a penalty pen- area. Okay, so I was under... That, see, not- see that, that throws a whole other wrench in the tire because... Which is why I said I messed up by even looking for the golf ball. Yeah. Yeah, you did because it wasn't marked. So, if you find it, then, yeah, you've got problems. Yeah. You've got problems. You should have just went back to the tee. Isn't it crazy how, you know, I've played golf, competitive golf, for 20 years, and I still don't know the exact rules? I mean... That's a that's a way deep rule. Yeah, that's is. that's a deep dive well, rule. We f- well, we figured out if it's a penalty area, but that's, now we're we're going to get an answer. Sam. Ken, Ken, Ken Tackett, I think, would even have to break the rule book out for this one. <laughs> we need to get um, Ken Tackett on the show and just pick his brain about you know, random golf rules. We need to. I'm going to call uh uh Debbie Hoschild. She's a rules official. Is she? Yeah. Okay. All right, now we got Debbie Hoschild on the line, and Debbie, we were talking about before we called you. Uh, about a rule, and I was telling an old story about how I made a 14 on number 14 at the Southwestern Am, and what happened was, so my first mistake was I hooked it left into the desert, deep into the desert, okay? And then uh, I proceed to, my next mistake was then I looked for the ball, okay? So then I found the ball, and obviously then my options shrink after that. So I, I decide to hit the ball, then it gets stuck in a cactus, so, at that point, was I able to go back to the tee, or did I have to just go back to the spot that I played that previous shot that I hit into the cactus? And, and one quick note, Debbie, it was not a marked penalty area. Nothing was marked, oh. so he's just down in the desert. Yeah. 
Oh, you, if you're not in a penalty area, you don't have that regression rule available to you. Gotcha. That's what, that was my question was going to be, when you decided to play that shot, were you in a marked penalty area? No. If, yeah. if you were, then you have, it's called a regression rule. It lets you to go back, decide where they're going to drop there or say, you know what, that was foolish. I'm going to go ahead and take my really outside the penalty area. Right. So, Debbie, it's not my I appreciate it, Debbie. But yes, that's that's exactly what happened because then, obviously, I only had the option to go back to being deep in the desert where I hit that right. that <laughs> second shot into the cactus. And then once it was stuck in the cactus, I only had an option to take my two club links. I couldn't take line of sight from the pin because uh, or take that line between me and the pin and go back as far as I want. I couldn't do that because there was out of bounds behind me. So you're saying that my main mistake was hitting that second shot. I should have gone back to the tee in the first place because once I hit that second shot, I wasn't able to go back to the tee anymore. Yeah, you just misjudged your ability, I, I guess. <laughs> you could you could also, you know, you could pick an unplayable lie, you know, that Texas go to, you know, there's right. several ways you can do the unplayable well, I, lie. I, at some point in those 14 <laughs> shots, I did take an unplayable, but the two club links didn't help me very much. So, T-Dub, go ahead. So, so Debbie, if it, had, it, had it been a marked area and he had proceeded to hit his second shot into the cactus, would he, would he, would he have been able to go back to the tee where he had initially hit the next shot, hitting four from the tee box? Is that the way I'm understanding it? Yeah, you basically is once it's in the, in the cactus. So you're one in the junk, you're two in the cactus. You can go back. You know, you're just like, I can't play that. I'm going to go back three to where you last hit from. If you don't drop the ball there, go ahead and carry it out. You know what I'm saying? You go ahead and proceed to, to back for another stroke. If you do, then that's a stroke, and then you decide you can't hit it from there. Then you can use the regression rule again, and you go back. There's some real tricky wording in there about whether from that cactus you actually drop the ball, put it in play, and then make a decision. You can carry it back, go back to that spot, make that decision and it saves you that one drop stroke if that makes any sense you have to read the rule the 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 specifics are very specific and like i said the nickname of it is the regression rule it just gives you a free get out of jail not free it's going to cost you (laughs) it gives you the opportunity to get your ball back into play well, Debbie, I'm glad that you had a couple of minutes because we were talking circles around ourselves <laughs> trying to figure this out. You are the best. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay. All right. Take I care. appreciate it, Debbie. Thank, Thank you, you very much. All right. Boy, I'm glad she was able to join us. There she, we go. And, and, she, and, she made that very succinct for us. Yeah, that was great. So now we know that whenever you have an unplayable, you have your three options. You can play it from where it last was. You can play it from two club links from the side, or you can go back online with the flag. And yep. so now we know that if it is a hazard, you can go back. It's not necessarily to the tee box, but it's from where the stroke was the played rule. that went into the hazard. Yeah, or the penalty area, rule. I'm sorry. But yep. the fact that it wasn't a penalty area, Sam, really cost you. But again, yep. if you're going to use the regression rule, don't drop the ball. That's what Debbie yep. was saying. Once you've decided to use the regression rule, don't go back to somewhere else in the hazard and drop it. Because once you've dropped it, now you decide that's unplayable. Now you have to take another penalty stroke. Oh, so what a disaster. if you're playing with your buddies, guys, out there, and you're playing for some money... Sometimes you might need to tell your buddies, don't go look for that ball. I wish Woody was with us right now. You know what he'd say? Sam, what the hell are you doing over there in the desert? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, and it, I think it's hilarious that I still remember all of this years later. Yeah, that's down great. The line. It had to be a, 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't forget a 14. 
eight years ago. You don't now. forget a fourteen. No, you don't forget a fourteen. I made a uh, I made a ten once on a par four where I was teeing off, hitting seven. It was a great ten. I had, <laughs> I, had, I had three balls out of bounds and uh, then proceeded to make par on my fourth tee shot into like a thirty five mile an hour wind. Also, it shows how many times I've hit it in the shit that I have a. Uh, rules official logged into my phone right, that I could right. just call so up. Like, yeah, let me get my rules official on speed dial here. <laughs> but doesn't that just show how stupid the rules of golf are? We, we seem to be fairly knowledgeable at the game. We don't have a clue. I mean, that is a that is a weird scenario. A very yeah. weird scenario. Uh, gentlemen? The long flight home. Bermuda Championship. We'll have some guests later in the week as well. So everybody make sure that you join us later in the week for more 73rd hole. Great stuff today. Good stuff from Hideki, Ben Stoller, Kate Strickland, East Lake Cup comes on TV, uh, Golf Central, 1.30 our time here in the yep. Central Time Zone. The uh, coverage of the actual golf starts at 2 o'clock. Really excited about our, really excited about our guests tomorrow, too. Absolutely. We have Ross Absolutely. Parmley, the old uh, TU athletic director. We do tomorrow or Wednesday? Or Wednesday. Wednesday. That's Wednesday, correct. we'll have him on. Wednesday, yep. yep. And then uh, and then Maury Rose. He'll yeah. come on the show and kind of recap what he saw at the uh, Red River. Good stuff. Kids, don't be scared of competition. Go beat someone. (laughs) Go compete. Thanks for listening to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.